for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 11, and it's a special episode I call Conversations from the Road. I travel the United States doing a lot of speaking to all sorts of audiences, and I've had some great conversations with other speakers, and I thought it would be a fun idea to record some of the conversations I have with my colleagues who are also speaking. So I'm going to share a conversation that I had with Henry Cloud. Henry, of course, is the author of Boundaries, and the book has been around. It's been a bestseller for many years. But before I share the conversation with you, I just want to take the liberty of making a couple of points. And these are some things that I've learned from Henry about boundaries. You know, there are two important ways that we parents need to use boundaries in our relationships with our children. First, if we want to raise strong and successful kids, we must implement boundaries in their lives. And I talk about this when I talk about discipline in my podcast on raising strong-willed children, how important it is to impose boundaries on kids, rules basically, so that they learn to live within those parameters, live within those rules, and they understand what it feels like to have someone say yes and have someone say no to them. They understand regulation and they understand rules and they understand limits because as they get older then, they learn to impose those same boundaries on themselves and that's a critical transition for children to go through during adolescence from having boundaries or rules imposed on them to learning to take charge and impose those boundaries or rules on themselves. Very, very critical to the development of healthy self-control. Secondly, I wanted to encourage parents in another thing. We parents... Moms, I hope you're listening here. We need to set boundaries for ourselves when it comes to our children, particularly as they grow older. Those of us who want to please our children and please everybody and make sure everybody's happy have a really hard time setting boundaries with our kids, have a hard time setting boundaries with other family members and with friends. But it's very important to set boundaries with our kids because children need to know how we want to be treated. Because, you know, Dr. Phil is right when he says we train people how to treat us. And it's absolutely true. If we allow our children to run us over and to mow us over, they learn not to respect us. And they learn that mothers don't need to be respected. They're there to do whatever anybody wants. None of us want to teach our daughters or our sons that. We need to teach our children that we, as moms and dads, demand respect from our children. And then as kids get older, they can learn to demand respect for themselves. Same is true with dads. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with wonderful dads in my office And I've seen them fail to set boundaries with their kids in the name of wanting to be nice. You know, they feel like it's okay for my child to express himself by saying, shut up to me or talking in a very snarky tone because they want that child to get out his feelings. Well, we need to set some boundaries there and say, you may feel like talking like that, but... I am dad and I'm not going to be spoken to that way. So first, we need to implement boundaries 
on our children. Second, we need to implement boundaries for ourselves with our children. So before we go to that conversation, I've got something for your parents. I have a free download just for you. You know, I've had parents tell me the content in this ebook changed the way they view their role as parents and the way they parent their children. And I'd like to give you a free copy. It's called The Three Questions Every Child Needs Answered. When you understand and answer these three critical questions, it builds the foundation your child needs to live a happy, successful, and confident future. Go to megmeekermd.com forward slash three questions today. Again, that's megmeekermd.com forward slash three questions. With that, I'm going to jump right into my conversation with Dr. Henry Cloud. We had a ball speaking at a major conference recently, and I hope as you listen that you enjoy the wisdom that you get from Dr. Henry Cloud. Hi, everyone. Dr. Meg Meeker, and I'm really excited to be in um, Los Angeles at the Shrine Auditorium at the Dave Ramsey Smart Conference, and I am sitting next to a wonderful man, Dr. Henry Cloud. Henry, how are you? Good, Meg. Good to be Good. with you. Good. Well, we're done. We gave our talks. We're all night? finished. In fact, um, I'm so happy that we got to talk after all of that. Yeah. So now we're like, woo, we're done. We're relaxed, and we're going to have a wonderful dinner at your house very yep. soon. The whole team's going to go out there, and um, we are going to be finito. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we, we did a, it's a Dave Ramsey Smart Conference, and we've been touring the country, um, arenas in lots of cities, and it's been really, really fun. And I've enjoyed getting to know you over oh, this right. whole thing and well, that, for hearing me, your great message. That's the fun of it, is coming back and seeing you and seeing Les and Michael Jr. and Dave and Rachel, and just there's a real yeah. camaraderie. It's fun. Very cool. everybody, And everybody... Um, really enjoys what they're doing, yeah. and we laugh a lot. I just love this group. It's really it is. Cool. Oh, and the audience was wonderful. Yeah. Why? Well, it's LA. It's my peeps out here. Yeah, and they laughed it's so much. <laughs> I just walked on the stage. They started laughing. But, but anyway, you have a fabulous new book, The Power of the Other. Yeah. Tell us about your book. Well, you know, in all areas of life, we always talk about what we need to talk about is getting better. Right? right and and if you're good going to greater you're great going to greater or you're hurting trying to go to well or whatever it is we the conversation generally is about gaining knowledge and experiences and competencies and skills and really we got to we got to up our game mm-hmm. right but here's where I want to change the conversation a little bit we have to up our game but the only way that happens is through the power of other people, the power that relationship brings to us. And, you know, you, you and I were talking earlier on an interview we did about uh, teenagers, mm-hmm. and and I think we were talking about teenage depression. Yes. And, and we were talking about the brain chemistry involved in that. And and we got into a little technical side of it, but, but the book goes into this. There's so much science now that has proven what the Bible has said all along, and what experience has told us all along that you know people's brains have got to work for them to be able to function well yes and their minds have got to work you know their their thought life and their belief systems and their maps of the world and their schemas so the difference between brain and mind brain isn't that an interesting one you know it's uh the brain's a hardware Mm-hmm. The brain is the physical organ. Mm-hmm. And so you've got hardware in there, you know, the wiring, the circuitry. 
you also have um, there's other physical material in there. There's there's neurotransmitters. There's a bunch of chemicals, mm-hmm. and that's the equipment. Like a computer has hardware, it's circuitry. Yes, and we can see that under a microscope, mm-hmm. right? But we also have these non-material things that we can't see under a microscope called thoughts mm-hmm. and called beliefs and called attitudes and a bunch of we can't put them under a microscope but boy can we see the effect in the real world yes uh-huh. and we've always known that the the our thought life and our belief systems and whether you're optimistic or pessimistic and connected to people and like people or hate people or we've always known that the immaterial heart, mind, and soul has an effect on the physical body. We know that. Right. Okay. We've also known the physical body has an effect on the way our, our minds work, the way we think. But the power of the other is basically about the third leg of that triangle. Mm-hmm. And that is that relationship affects both of those. So when a parent is connected to a teenager, for example, mm-hmm. their brain chemistry will change through the relationship and their mind will change. Yes. And so what the book is about is whatever aspect of life, whether you're, and I go into all the research, like from Navy SEALs to Olympic athletes to business leaders to, you know, moms and dads and all aspects of life, that this thing called human connection is going to have power in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and in your brain. Now, the question is, what kind of power is it going to have? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be positive, and is it going to increase capacity, or is it going to be negative and diminish you? I was talking in my talk about the importance of parents and connection with kids and, and how that keeps them out of trouble. How does a parent begin to improve a connection with a teenager? Because what you're saying is the relationship a parent has with a teenager, if it's negative, it's mm-hmm. literally going to have a negative effect on the brain, the mm-hmm. brain chemistry, the thought process. So the one behavior. of the best, the behavior. So one of the best things a parent can do for a child, whether it's young or, or a teenager, is to improve their that relationship. You know, and and the teenage brain gets hardwired right. during the during the teen years, and that's why, you know, I hate having them spend a lot of time in front of violent video games because there's hardwiring going on there too. So what what steps would you tell parents to make? with their kids to begin improving that connection, that relationship? Well, it's certainly the right question. Because, you know, we look at... The teen years is a tough time. Mm -hmm. Simply, and I don't mean it's tough because, you know, oh, teenagers and all this. But literally, just from from a physiological, from a neurological, from a psychological, and from a governance perspective, Yeah, you have... It is a very complicated time because the very goal of the teen years is that you're transferring authority. Mm-hmm. You're in the process of a coup, mm-hmm. a governmental coup, <laughs> you are, right? yeah. which is what you want. Exactly. And so, you know, Paul says in Galatians 4, for those of you who are, who are Bible logs, yeah, if you go to that, that passage there, he says that when we were children... We were under guardians and managers. Mm. Now, that under things a really important phrase. You're under their authority. He says, until the date set forth by the father where you would grow up and have a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. And the, the parent says, okay, now you're an adult. Now, the teenage years are, are a complicated time 
of gradually transferring more and more authority to the teenager Mm -hmm. to have guardianship and managership over their own life because they're about to go out there and we're going to expect adulthood from them. Right. So to do that, here's where it gets tricky. That only happens well when the connection based on understanding and emotional investment Mm -hmm. is fueling it. Okay, now, a lot of times people can't get it in their heads that emotional connection and control are different things. Okay, so tell us how they're different. Well, emotional connection and emotional control are different things. Yeah, you know, emotional connection is about a an emotional investment we have in each other through trust that basically takes us through what I would call transformational experiences. So, for example, um, I come in here and I'm a little anxious. You know, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Meg, you're going to ask me about all this complicated stuff that, you know, gosh, I didn't read that journal this week or whatever. And I, I come in there and go, Meg, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you, and you go, well, it's going to be okay because this, I understand. And we start talking about it. You give me some guidelines. And now I'm feeling, okay, yeah, let's go. I know what we're talking about. Let's go. All right, now my brain has changed states. I went in in one state. Anxious. Anxious. Mm-hmm. We connected. Mm-hmm. You talked to me. You heard me. You understood me. I leave that interaction in a different state. Yes. I went from anxious to calm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say I've confused to having clarity, or I come in and I'm 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 hopeless about something. We talk. I start to feel some hope. Mm-hmm. See, that's what a connection does. A connection transforms the states that we're in into a better state, or worse. Or worse. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if a child comes in and mom or dad starts criticizing him, yelling at him, and maybe he was less anxious, he can leave that feeling. Anxious. Feeling anxious. And, mm-hmm. and also, as you know, you know, we talked about this, that, that there's a really interesting little verse in, in Romans where, where Paul says, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Right. How many parents are trying to get their kid to do right, right. by being mad at them? Right. Or... You've just been promised that it won't work. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So, in other words, if you yell at your kids, you're not going to get them to to do what God wants them to do. Or Or to be righteous. Or what you you want want them to do. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I say Mm -hmm. control is different. So, what I want, you know, I tell my daughters, I've got teenage daughters, 13 and 15. And we were talking about this the other day, and they were trying to make some decision about something. Whether they were going to go to this party or, or whatever it was. And I said, okay, girls, remember the triangle. Now, the triangle is this. I, I, when they first became teenagers, I sat them down. I said, look, guys, this whole teenage thing, let me tell you how it's going to work. I said, the last, last thing I want to do is have control of you. Mm-hmm. I want you to have control of yourself. Mm-hmm. All right? Please, please, please rescue me from being in control of you. I want you to have freedom, but let me tell you how it works. There's a math equation. It's a triangle, or all these three sides of the triangle have got to be equal. Mm -hmm. Freedom equals responsibility equals 
love. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this party you want to go to. I want you to be free to go to any party that you want to. But if you're going to be free, you've got to use that freedom responsibly. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is who's going to be there? What's going to be happening? Is is that really a responsible thing to do? Are you are you exercising? Do you have the self control to be there and not get in trouble and not do stuff you want to? Right. Don't you shouldn't be doing or right. whatever. And how do you decide what's responsible? Well, let's go to this love thing. Is it destructive to you or to someone else? Oh, yeah. Is it destructive to your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. So see if if you just think about, you know. You guys are going to have all the freedom you want if you use it responsibly. And you're using the measurement of love. I'm not going to have to control you. Right. Right. You are. You are. Mm -hmm. And so it's an empowering relationship where you're trying to delegate in these 10 years. You're trying to delegate more and more and more and more control to the extent that they can be responsible. Right. Where do you factor in pressure um one of your girls says i get it dad i'm gonna go to a party i want freedom i'm going to be responsible and then this amazingly cute guy who's two years older than her walks in if she's 13 and he's 15 is she still gonna be able to keep her wits about her and be responsible well is there a certain age i mean because clearly you give more control at different ages but yeah but where does that factor in well, I tend to um, I tend to look at it in terms of there are kind of age-appropriate guidelines, I think. And I also think that the main thing is the equipment that the kid possesses. Yes. So I know some 17-year-olds that I wouldn't trust. Exactly. And yeah. some 14-year-olds that I would. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right? And so, so I think, you know, it's back to what you talk about a lot, the the best thing that you have going with your kid is the connection Mm -hmm. and it's really really difficult i think to to have a real real honest deep connection with your kids and kind of be clueless about what they can handle and what they can't yeah and i think if we are clueless then what we do sometimes or if we feel like oh my gosh and we get anxious when we get anxious we get more controlling Mm-hmm. And I think we should use our anxiety first as a signal to, I even would say that to my girls, you know, I, in, in fact, I said this to, to one of them um, a few weeks ago, Lucy, I, I said, Lucy, you know, um, we kind of been missing like on the flyways here. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been traveling and you went on a trip and you did this thing with the church. And I said, I feel like the last probably week or 10 days. I kind of feel like lost in our mm-hmm. in our relationship. Let's go for a walk. Oh. And there were some things that I knew about that were going on um, in one of her classes. She got some, uh, you know, flagged on some kind of quiz she screwed up on or something. But I didn't want to talk about that. Yeah. Until we had the connection. Yes. Okay. And so we kind of know where they are. Mm-hmm. And and that's so important because I think that a lot of parents feel. You know, their time is limited with their teens because they're always in a hurry. And, and often they feel like, well, if I'm going to get 10 minutes, I'm going to teach them a lesson. I got I to gotta, I gotta get in what I think is really important. Right. And they skip that connecting first. 
and letting that child know, look, I got your back. I'm on your side. I just kind of want to know how things are going. And then go into any kind of, you know, change or something that needs to happen. And, you know, it's interesting being the father of teenage girls. um, I just forget, really, what 15 is. Oh. For example. Now, well, and if, as, in a 15-year-old girl, you were a 15-year-old boy, and that's a whole different thing. Right. And we have to think about this because, you know, sometimes, and we forget on both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget how, you know, how vulnerable 15 is. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, I also forget how adult 15 is. I'll give you a great example. I mean, the other day, you know, my my daughter just got um, her driver's permit. And so she gets the permit, and we're going out driving for the first time. I wish you had been there, and I'd ask you to give me Valium IM or something. I mean, I needed <laughs> tranquilizers. I'm sitting, hard, yeah. I'm sitting there in the, in the passenger seat going, ah! And, <laughs> and, hitting the yeah, and, yeah. And, and then sure. I remembered... You know, now I know we live in a different time day. We could talk about this forever. But I grew up competitive golfer. Mm-hmm. And so I used to travel all over the South and, and, and play golf tournaments. I remember when I got to be 15 years old. Now, in Mississippi at that time, you could get your driver's license. When I got to be 15 years old, I remember my parents celebrating because now they didn't have to drive me two states over. 250 Stop. miles away Stop. to go on a golf tournament. They could give me some money, so you go find a Holiday Inn, and you go, this is at, great. We don't, at 15 or at 15, at 15. They they also, we we were a big uh, water sports family, and, and we had a house on a lake about a half hour out of town, and I would hook the boat up and take the car, and all my friends, and we would go up, and we'd water ski, and and I dragged the boat. And Are 15, you kidding no, me? No, I'm not. And look at your face right now. And and I'm telling you, you look like my parents must have been psychotic, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you, at that time, in that environment mm-hmm. and whatever, that was so normal. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up hunting and fishing. I know I'm getting a lot of angry emails about this. I'm just telling you my story. This is true. I'm not suggesting you go do this. Mm-hmm. But I remember at at, you know... 11, 12 years old, my friends and I, we'd get our shotguns, and we Henry, would... Henry, we we're going to get such a bad... I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm making a point here. We'd get our shotguns, and we would saddle up the horses, and we would ride off into the woods, thousands of acres that, you know, these farms mm-hmm. back there, and we'd go hunting and maybe come back that next night and maybe not. But that was so normal. Mm-hmm. Now, I say all that to, to say this. Sometimes I forget how competent a teenager can actually be. be. Yes, yes. If we are building into them those competencies. Yes. But my father started me driving at 8 or 10. Oh. When he'd take me out for breakfast on Sunday morning, we'd go out to a country road, mm-hmm. put me in his lap when I couldn't see over the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and then he, and other stuff where you build in this training. Now, I'm not giving a parenting seminar of what to do right now. Don't yeah. write your angry emails. Read them to yourself. Yeah. But what I am saying is that sometimes I've had to say as a, you know, as a parent when I think, 
gosh, I don't, I feel a little anxious about her going and doing this or this, that, and the other. I got to remember, wait a minute, when you were 15, you were doing way more you than that. You were driving two states away. Two states and away. And a lake house. And, exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying yes. is, we err on both sides because we get subjective, mm-hmm. and we get subjective in our own fears. And what I think is really good is when parents get together and talk, mm-hmm. and they find out what's normal and what's not, mm-hmm. and maybe they're being too strict or maybe they're being too lenient mm-hmm. and they get to normalize this in a good parenting group mm-hmm. because we, we get lost in our own heads oh my oh my yes we do I, you are I, just appalled that i as a 15 year old i'll <laughs> Henry, give you I, 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 you grew up in mississippi right i'll give you another one are i mean you, are you ready for no this? you grew up in a different world than i did i, I mean yeah i grew up inside of boston there is no way anyway go ahead i'll give you one more mm-hmm. this is a true story when i was in the sixth grade so with 11 ish 12 mm-hmm. 11 probably when i was in the sixth grade my uncle um uh, what is this? My uncle was, my cousin was the governor and somebody we knew. So anyway, I got invited to be a page mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives. Okay. When you were in sixth grade. When I was in the, you know what pages yeah. are. They run yeah, errands yeah, yeah, for yeah. senators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get invited to be a page and sit at the state capitol in Jackson. I lived about an hour away in Vicksburg. And my parents, ready for this? I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. going to go there for a week to the state capitol okay and they put me on the bus and gave me some money and said they had looked it up and there was a i could rent a room there i could could check in right and get a room down the street so i could walk because i couldn't drive at 12 and i went to jackson for a week and i did my job and checked in and got to work on time and and i just remember um that just seemed normal. That was normal. Right now, I think about letting my kids oh. do that. There's no oh. way. You, you try to do but that. But the point is, there's competencies that we negate. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think, but but again, I mean, it's it's you would never let one of your girls do anything like that because you'd be afraid for them. Right. Not because they're incompetent. Well, but, but the, they're creepy the, people out there. Well, the whole dating thing. Yeah. I'm not going to let them date till they're 40. So I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I think that would be that's going to be a, a, a fun day when um, you know what I always say though that, that, that the guy should have to come to a girl's home none of this honking the the the, uh, the horn in the car in the driveway oh that's hey so come ridiculous. on out there I they need that. to or come. text them come on no they have to come to the house house they have to see the dad and you have to shake his hand really that's hard right. that's it just a very very simple message well and yeah, I may tell him a few things. <laughs> <laughs> My guest is Henry Cloud. This has been a lot of fun, Henry. Don't listen to half of the advice on the second part of the show. I didn't give any advice. I, know, you did. I was tell- you, you just told us about your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, don't don't live like Henry Cloud did. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I. But the the point in there is this: we are subjective in our fears. Mm-hmm. We're subjective, and sometimes we're way too lenient with our kids, and sometimes we're way too controlling. Yeah. And we need to get out of the emotionality of it mm-hmm. and begin to look at them and connect with them and understand them and understand what their competencies are, what the dangers are, how well equipped they are to negotiate those and make good decisions. And where their vulnerabilities are. Right. Thank you, Henry. It's good to be here. 
Well, that wraps up my conversation with my friend, Dr. Henry Cloud. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't read his book, Boundaries, I strongly encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. And remember, friends, that great kids are raised, not born. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Parenting Great Kids. You can like Dr. Meg on Facebook and follow her on Twitter at Meg Meeker, MD. And just a reminder, for your free short ebook, go to megmeekermd.com slash three questions. That's megmeekermd.com slash three questions. Thank you for listening. And remember to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe. 